Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeat the Minnesota Timberwolves 125 to 102, absolutely stomping them. They they lost the first quarter 30 to 20. They were behind by as much as 17 points. They followed the process. They stuck through it as much as they struggled early. And, you know, a bevy of shooting talent, whether it was OG or Gary Trent Jr. and the playmaking style of Pascal Siakam eventually made it so that the Raptors got through throughout this game, won the war of attrition, kept it moving, and got to a spot where they were overwhelming the Timberwolves. And then defensively also making adjustments that they were much more comfortable with. So this is among a lot of the games that the Raptors have played recently. One of the games where sticking to their guns offensively worked tremendously well. And the, you know, adjustments weren't that necessary there. One came that I'll talk about a little bit later, but defensively, they changed it up a little bit. They got a taste for how the Timberwolves wanted to attack in this game. They saw that they were trying to work through Cat, obviously, but Cat isn't as high usage as a lot of other stars. Anthony Edwards plugs in as well. Anthony Edwards started working off ball more in this game. They were using Cat as the hammer. The Raptors were the nail. And D'Angelo Russell was kind of plugging in outside of that too. But they got used to how Cat was getting the entry, how he was operating with the ball. They started throwing a bit more attention his way. And Pascal Siakam, emboldened by the fact that he wasn't in foul trouble for the first time in, I don't know, six weeks, maybe, six weeks maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, then we get a, a team that's able to kind of lock in on a guy. And the length did start to bother Cat a lot more. and. And it's always tough. We've seen this with Pascal Siakam is for bigs who can dribble to kind of gauge how often they should be driving to the rim because there's always going to be a guy who slides over and tries to take a charge. You're so dependent on how teams are going to rotate at the bottom. And the Raptors did a really good job of mixing up those rotations, throwing different guys coming from the bottom, coming from the sideline and coming from the top down, throwing different looks at him, making his job more complicated and then having a lot of length like Thaddeus Young or Precious Achua, if they weren't guarding him, you know, as the primary on the weak side to make sure that a lot of those passes, the skip passes, were harder to get to. 
And then on top of that, the Wolves just weren't able to grab as many offensive rebounds and to get to three-point shots and easy looks off of those and extra possessions obviously kill everybody. So the Raptors made a great defensive adjustment and they trusted in Pascal Siakam to follow the process of his offense and said, we're going to get there. It took just this incredible shot-making run from OG and Gary Trent Jr. to bring them all the way back from being down 17, but they got there and then they got past it and then they got way past it to the point where they won this game by 23 and it was well in hand. And Pascal Siakam was just getting two feet in the paint, finding a guy out on the break, getting two feet in the paint, little lay down for a guy to have a layup, getting two feet in the paint, a touch pass to another dude. was just in such great playmaking form. He left this game with a triple-double. He looked dead tired, but he was still able to drive the Raptors offense, even on a night where his shot-making definitely wasn't where he wanted it to be. And I would also be remiss if I don't center Fred Van Vliet in the defensive conversation. He had five steals. That doesn't remotely capture what he was able to do in this game. He was a menace. And that, that's the thing when we talk about these dig downs on, on Carl Anthony Towns or Nas Reed or Anthony Edwards driving to the bucket, anybody, heavy hands, the moniker that, you know, Fred Van Vliet has identified his hands as different hands than any of us mortal beings. His hands operate differently. They're made of tungsten, the heaviest. Tungsten is one of the heaviest substances on earth. I'm, I'm sure there's another substance that's less popular, but the heaviest popularized substance on earth, I think, is tungsten. And Fred's hands appear to be made of it. He drops it. He drops that hammer on the ball. That thing is coming loose, dude. And in this game, the amount of pressure he was able to provide on Cat in post-ups, on guys driving to the middle, as soon as they take a step in the paint, he's pulling off the corner, he's getting a swipe in there, or he's clamping that thing. And it radically changed the way that the Wolves were attacking gaps. Because not only was Fred beating guys to the gaps, but he's making these defensive plays out of it. He's not just stopping the drive and then they move the ball from in the gap out to the corner and get a shot. It's that if you enter the gap, you're not going to get through to the rim, A, but you you may very well be stripped. And so Fred deserves so much credit. His point of attack stuff was really strong too after I didn't think it was very good at the start of the game, but he got to a point where he started to really recognize where D'Angelo Russell was trying to get to, how to corral him into different spots on the floor. And I thought he was he was just tremendous. A tough offensive game, but he helped change the defensive um, mindset of the Raptors. And he worked so well. And when they started being a little bit more aggressive on some of these dig downs, he was really driving these actions with his defensive playmaking. And obviously when you employ Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, these guys are going to help immensely as well. And Precious Sachua, of course. But the Raptors, a big part of turning things around defensively, and I would actually say the biggest part, was Fred's defensive playmaking and his ability to gum up anything that involved the Timberwolves getting downhill. And caught up in all of this was OG Ananobi, that, that great defense. Gary Trent Jr., that great shooting. You know, in addition to OG Ananobi's great shooting. But around when these teams, you know, the Raptors were climbing back into it in the second quarter, every offensive possession just seemed to funnel directly to an OG Ananobi triple or a Gary Trent Jr. triple. And that's what got the Raptors back in this game. And both of them were able to maintain this throughout the rest of the game. It wasn't on insanely high volume or anything like that. Finishing with 29 points, Gary Trent Jr. hit a lot. 
got to the line for five free throws as well, getting out and running in transition a few times. That obviously helps bump up his his numbers as it would anybody's. And OG Ananobi just working hard, spacing out on offense, getting to a little bit of self-creation, making good plays to kind of pass teammates into opportunities when he's downhill and extending advantage. He's good at that. And I think he was just, he was in such sharp, fine form in this game. It wasn't this big 36, 37 point performance like we saw against New York. That Those are the types of games where he's extending out past himself and he's finding the uncomfortable spots where he needs to improve in, especially if he wants to become a star or something close to it. But in this game, this certainly isn't the best OG Ananobi. He can always get better at a million different things. But this is like the platonic ideal of his floor. It's just a guy coming in, canning triples, playing awesome defense, and giving you a little bit extra that a lot of other 3 and D players don't. He can transport himself to the rim. He can make the play reading against the moving defense to make a pass, that kind of stuff. That was this game. And then Gary was just hitting shots, dude. Cashing triples. I think he was 6 for 8 in this one. That's just 18 points off the rip. And then five free throws, most of them because of transition. You you get points pretty easily in this one. And Pascal, when I talk about like the struggles he had, I tweeted this out, but since December 28th, he hasn't missed a game. He has played the most minutes in the NBA, almost 200 more than second place. And he finished with a triple-double in this game. He left this game looking dead tired. And that... He was so tired that some of the shot making that we've been accustomed to seeing for so long, like he's averaging 23, 24 points over however many games. I think he's he's nearly at 23 for the season, but he's definitely below it. 22.5 after this game, probably 22.3 or something. But he's been so good at scoring the ball. But in this game, those short mid range shots, the three point looks that he got when the the Timberwolves were kind of packing the line. The Timberwolves defense deserves so much credit for the first half. Like their ability to recover out to shooters and to still close down driving lanes, really, really strong. They couldn't last all game, but it was so good to start. And Pascal getting the bump that isn't a foul, but it's still a bump, getting the contest, getting the push after the contest, and like trying to hustle for offensive rebounds, you know, filtering out on some of these possessions out to a three pointer where you can tell he's laboring a bit. None of it's dropping. He's like one for seven after the first, you know, like what, like 15 minutes of the game. And you're looking at a team that can't really score the ball only at 20 in the first quarter. He just had to keep putting his head down and making the defense respond to him so he could still play make. And he did. And Gary and OG, they hit the shots. Precious as well. And Precious was, I mean, he was so good defensively that I I know I haven't talked about Scotty in this game yet. And Scotty's obviously something, somebody that everybody wants to hear about all the time. So I guess this is it. The first half, he was bad. The lack of shooting really exacerbated a lot of the Raptors' problems. And some of the defensive decisions he was making, they weren't ideal. And so it wasn't that he was so much worse than usual. It's that Precious Situa has been one of the best shooting big men since the All-Star break. And the Wolves needed to pay for collapsing their defense over and over again. And Precious is a better defender, like game in and game out, than Scotty at this current moment. What they look like in the future, who knows? But now it's it's Precious right now. And so you get a bump on defense. And 
Precious is giving you more offensively because of the context of the game. So he comes in the second quarter. He has a nice run. He hits threes. But then he starts the second half, and he's giving you that bump on defense. He's giving you, you know, that plus from downtown. He's able to kind of pour it in. And he's he's also playing maybe a little bit instead of Chris Boucher as well. And Chris is a guy who was pressing the Wolves on the their own glass, who was pressing the Wolves in the paint. He just got blocked like five times in this game. And the Wolves, I mean, they rallied hard to defend the rim. And they made him pay for it, but it was he was necessary because he had to make them feel him in there. He had to pressure the rim, even if it didn't go in, to kind of help change how these games turn out. And so Chris didn't have his best game, but I thought he he pushed where um, necessary. So he'll he'll have better games in the future. Tonight was tough, but I, I thought the process of what he was doing was good as far as that goes. But yeah, the Raptors come out of the second half. It's you know precious instead of Scotty. The Raptors start running away with it. Pascal's really starting to pull apart the Wolves' defense at the seams. Their defense is picking up. They're getting, you know, it's not that they're getting more turnovers now, but the turnovers are turning into more tangible opportunities. They're getting runouts. It's starting to look easy. And then, as we know, you know, as this, well, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but the game opens up. It's more fluid. It's, you know, it's, there's no end of the floor. There's no offense, defense. It's just one nebulous round ball of possession of change of possession it's like football right or footy like soccer and uh we see barnes checks back in the game he was watching from the sidelines which sometimes is helpful anybody who has you know played basketball then watched it and then reinserted yourself sometimes you can see how you want to implement things having seen how the defense responds to other people you can say if i can if i can elicit that response engender that response Here's what I'll do differently. And in the open court where Scotty Barnes is so special, when this game really opened up, he started to just make plays. Like when when the Wolves aren't packing the paint, when the Raptors have bludgeoned them from downtown, Scotty's flash cuts into post-ups are really tough to stop because the the entry pass is easy to find. His early work on these possessions where the Wolves are starting to get worn down as the game progresses, his early work to kind of pin a Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards or somebody like that under the rim and get an early post touch turn around and kind of lob it into the rim. That's easy offense. And against a super diligent defense, it's not always there, but as these games linger on and you have Scotty all of a sudden not starting the second half coming off the bench, just boom, this huge surge of energy where he's going to push them in these ways. He really started to dominate in the second half in this free flowing game and his size, his strength and his fluidity really allowed him to do so. Pascal had a great nose for finding him, the hit-ahead passes, you know, these little bounce passes in the lane, that kind of stuff. Super fun to see. And, yeah, the Raptors, they they let Scotty and Pascal, for the most part, kind of drive the ship home, drive the ship, drive the car, whatever you drive, the plane, anything, really, right? And uh, the train. I like trains. I love public transits. I love subways. Just, just as a heads up, I think they're absolutely essential to what we do in society so yeah drive take the subway home let's say (laughs) anyway pascal as the passer uh scotty as the punctuation and thaddeus young who was just tremendous in this game and i can't talk about this game without saying that he's starting to fit in tremendously on defense he he's hitting more threes the touch shot is a little bit there as well he had the statement dunk where he turned the corner 
just things are starting to progress where he looks like a more and more meaningful part of the rotation, and he fits the ethos. The Raptors want to be weird. They want to be beautifully weird. Uh, Emma Brown, (laughs) big show, it's her. She says, let's drop the weird. Let's just be beautiful. So the Raptors want to be just beautiful. So they are. They're playing the 6-9 ethos, the beautiful 6-9 ethos, and they're getting after it. And the Raptors, throughout the rest of this game, light work made it happen. This game came super easy to them after a certain point, and they're able to lock it up. And, you know, that's well done because they had to make adjustments, small ones, big ones, you know, and, and they made the right ones, and they came out, obviously, on the right side of the W and L ledger column. They made it happen. Uh, the Reggie Evans Award. I'm giving it to Thad. Thadjik Johnson, uh, really impressive game. When I think back to that Celtics game where he was stopping Marcus Smart when Gary Trent Jr. couldn't and when Scotty Barnes couldn't, and, you know, he's starting to pop up in a lot of ways that other players might not be able to, or he's kind of amalgamating what some of the more impressive players are able to do. And that's obviously the vision that the team had for him when they traded for him. He wasn't doing it early on. It took him a while to get back to this point. And if he can maintain this level of play, he's 100%, you know, in the playoff rotation, playing super big minutes and meaningful minutes. And in this game, he just looked awesome. He added so much to what the Raptors were doing out there. And yeah, well done to him because it's uh, it's super impressive, dude. Okay, top quick reaction comment is from... Arshadeep Singh, quote, Siakam triple-double, GTJ and OG were fantastic, Precious continues to be a sniper, and Thaddy is looking like an incredible pickup for this team. Let's get that fifth seed, and also 50 wins is still possible, end quote. Yeah, man, that's uh, all those things are true. Thad looks really good right now. GTJ and OG were fantastic. Precious is a sniper, and Siakam did have a triple-double. Fifth seed, who knows, 50 wins? That's tough, man. It would be, they have to win out, obviously, but uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, yeah, I love the positivity, though. Listener, I hope you keep it positive in your day-to-day. I want to thank you for listening in, but whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.